The Yes Movement is back. Chair Shot Reality, at Josh Eisenberg 4 on Twitter. Spirits on Bourbon, right there, is the logo for CSR in New Orleans this year. WrestleMania Sunday, 1 to 3 p.m., right before Yeslemania returns to the Silverdome. Wait, the Superdome. Wait, you know what I mean. I am at Josh Eisenberg 4 on Twitter, like I said. And Daniel Bryan is back. And what a shockwave it sent to WWE this past week. And a mega superstar returning specifically for the SmackDown brand. Now, Daniel Bryan will most likely be in a tag team match at WrestleMania with Shane McMahon against Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. But after that, where does Daniel Bryan go? Everybody's excited to see these dream matchups between Bryan and Nakamura, Bryan and Styles, Bryan and Kevin Owens, Bryan and Sami Zayn. We're going to get a taste of that at WrestleMania. But this tells me one thing. WWE did everything that they could to protect themselves in case Daniel Bryan got hurt. And Daniel Bryan did everything that he could to convince and to show the doctors that he is back and ready to go. I told this earlier on WrestleReaction this past week after SmackDown that Daniel Bryan back creates a plethora of opportunities for dream matches because when Daniel Bryan was in his prime, when Daniel Bryan was at the top of his game, he was infused with guys like Kane, guys like The Big Show, guys like Mark Henry, Batista, guys that are slower in the ring. Now, Daniel Bryan is going to be a little bit more safer in the ring, but you saw on Tuesday, they let him go. They let him take his kicks. They let him do the running drop kick. They let him get a powerbomb on the, on the uh, apron. So Daniel Bryan is back, and he's back for good. He won't wrestle every week. He might not wrestle every month, but he doesn't need to. Daniel Bryan is so good that with Raw and SmackDown combining pay-per-views, you can spread out feuds now. You can spread out Daniel Bryan's potential chase for a championship, which I do think could potentially happen as soon as SummerSlam in Brooklyn. But at the end of the day, Daniel Bryan back on SmackDown Live and back in the WWE in the ring is everything that fans have wanted since WrestleMania 31 and since WrestleMania 30, really, when Yeslemania became a reality. I'm going to send it in studio now. Justin, Katie, your thoughts on Daniel Bryan. Uh, that's Josh Eisenberg's thoughts. I want to uh, bring in Katie Arquette, who is here in studio. Katie, uh, our newest to join the CSR panel here in 2018. Of course, she's also an independent professional wrestler. You can go check her out on the Twitter machine. Part of Hollywood royalty. Katie Mr. Arquette. Mr. David Arquette. We, you're going to get him on the show, damn it. Okay. That's going to happen. to him. He's busy. Happen. He's busy. I know, I know he's busy, but just tell him to answer the phone and, and, and get in here. Okay. Um, Katie, you know, uh, you've never suffered, I don't believe, any any injuries to the extent that Daniel Bryan's gone through. No. But uh, from a performer standpoint, I mean, fighting to get medically cleared after having your dream and your livelihood taken away from you, I mean, how do you interpret all this? I mean, I can definitely imagine it was hard, difficult, strenuous on him. I mean, this is everything he's ever wanted. And yeah. it, he's finally, he was going good. Everything was going uphill for him, and then all of a sudden it it literally got ripped from him. So I can imagine how he's impatient and he just wants it and he wants to be back and do this. So I can definitely see how excited he is that he's finally cleared and why he gave, like he put over all the medical doctors mm -hmm. and everything that helped him and took care of him and made sure that, okay, you are officially ready. Because yeah. we didn't want to send him in worse and then, you know, he's only there for like a month or two and it's Never again. Never. A little bit of a, of a personal question, if you don't mind going into it. Uh, again, you don't have as many miles as, t as he does in your career so far <laughs> on you uh, in the ring and bumps you've taken. What is your relationship like with like your doctor, whoever, or people in your world that you go to for you know, f you know, physicals and stuff? What what are their reaction to you in your career and your health and such like that? What's um, well, they're cautious. Obviously, this profession isn't your typical sport. I am falling and 
putting myself in danger every time I step in and out of the ring. Sure. Um, so it's definitely something to be cautious about. I mean, during my training, I broke my ankle. Mm. And having that little part ripped away from me, it, it hurt, it yeah. sucked, because I couldn't be in the ring. I had to take the time. So it's always good to put your medical stuff first, to always be prepared to, hey, take a break. You'd rather be out of the ring for so long than to never step back into it. Okay. Uh, we got more to come. We got plenty more to come. Big binge playlist for you this weekend as we have uh, more with Josh. We have more with Katie. Sam Adonis, that's right. He is Mexico's number one heel. He will also join us. We're going to have some fun conversations with him. It's all weekend long. Chair Shot Reality on Wrestling Inc. Your number one procrastination tool on the internet behind internet porn. I'm Justin LaBar. He's Josh Eisenberg down in sunny Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Josh, let's talk WrestleMania main event. I'm going to ask you the question. Is it as, I mean, you, we, it's become an event that's so long. There's so many big marquee uh, matches and people and, 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 and crossover of mainstream. What is the main event? And when I ask you main event, I'm saying what goes on last? What closes the show down? Hmm. This is interesting, Justin, because if you would have asked me a year ago what it would be, I probably would say, you know, something with Roman Reigns, maybe John Cena and The Undertaker, which that match is actually going to happen, where The Undertaker's streak was broken. I'm going to throw a wild card at you. Oh, boy. Charlotte and Asuka. Yeah, get out of here. Stop. Tell me why not. Stop. Tell me why not, Justin. Brother, this is... This year, this year we've seen the Women's Royal Rumble. This year we've seen the Women's Elimination Chamber. This year we've seen, in the past 365 days, more revolutionary, groundbreaking women's matches in history. And WWE has been so adamant on fast-tracking this to make it 100% equal, 100% women and men on the same playing field. So, is there a... <laughs> I'm not trying to get to the women's vote, but this is the only match in my mind in women's history that could ever be important and close out WrestleMania. Ronda Rousey, this match for Ronda isn't that important, and Ronda next year probably isn't going to be as important as Asuka, somebody that WWE has built years and years upon to make the undefeated streak important, the undefeated streak in New Orleans, interesting, and Charlotte, who is a woo, a flair, and she is the SmackDown Women's Champion. So tell me why, aside from your usual, oh, this could be The Undertaker's last match, well, we don't necessarily need to see The Undertaker's last match go on last at WrestleMania. They didn't do it for Ric Flair. They almost didn't do it for Shawn Michaels. So why would we need it for The Undertaker? Well, first off, if you have The Undertaker fighting John Cena, and I, I could see this being the last one, it does need to be last, and I think it will be last. All right, back to the Charlotte Asuka. Uh, I will agree with you on one point. This is because of the way they've built Asuka, and they've, they've stayed committed to her from NXT now, and then now on the, the main roster, and then for what Charlotte has done and who she is. Yes, this is the most qualified women's division match I think WWE's ever had that could be even considered for the final spot. Here's the problem, and let me stress this because I'm going to get all kinds of comments of LeBar, I'm, the, 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 the feminists are going to come out. Uh, you're sexist, LeBar. I'm you're sexist. sexist. I'm, you, I'm you prefer men over women. That's apparently what you're saying right Make now. sure nobody... Not that there's anything wrong with that. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Make sure nobody trims this. Make sure this makes all the edits that go to social media. Make sure you include this. LeBar is not saying he agrees with. LeBar is just pointing out the reality. Disclaimer, I enjoy Charlotte, I enjoy Asuka, I'm going to enjoy the match, but the reality is 75,000 people are going to be in the Superdome, and 75,000 people, everybody that watches WWE, everybody is, all of them are all invested in the male performers, not everybody is invested in the female performers, so 
by putting that match on last, you are going to put those ladies in a situation where they're going to have. I, I, I don't. I don't think they're going to get. A, they wouldn't get a fair shake, basically, from from all the crowd. I, and I, I sincerely mean that. And I'm not saying that I would oppose that they tried it. I'm just saying if you're asking me from a business standpoint and a logical booking standpoint, I just cannot buy that going on last. Well, and well, I got well, Katie, Katie Arquette still here in the studio, and she's. I can feel the the the, the, the death glare coming at me. <laughs> Because she's smart, but here, here's, here's what I'm asking you. You're saying that the crowd, the fans at WrestleMania, it wouldn't be a fair shake for them, but isn't like the smart fans and the fans that pay hundreds of dollars at WrestleMania, aren't they the ones with a more open mind of having women's wrestling take over? I mean, some of them, I, the right? smart or whatever. But it's, not, well, it's not like they're in Little Rock, Arkansas, where not many people care about women's wrestling. This is everybody around the world. And I would say more often than not, 70%, 80% of this crowd actually cares about women's wrestling. Look at WrestleMania 32 two years ago with that triple threat match. People were invested in that match. Now, I'm going to go out and say that I think this has a chance to. It probably won't. But if it does, it's hard to argue that it should not be the main event of WrestleMania. With a lackluster build from some of these matches, the only one that I could see, like you said, is seen in The Undertaker because we've never seen that before. But if this is really Undertaker's last match, again, you saw him go out WrestleMania last year. You know, with the gloves off and everything. It put a, sore a sour taste and a sore like, look on him. So what's the point of ending it again on another somber note? Why not put history at the end instead of being sad? Maybe The Undertaker's not coming back. D difference being last year was sour and somber and what have you. This year, I'm predicting, I think it's going to be, if Taker does lose, and he's an old school guy who, you know, wants to do the, him and Cena will probably argue over who does the, you know, they probably both would like to lose, but somebody's got to win. Uh, I think Cena will win. Uh, I think this one's not going to be somber. I think this one's going to be a celebration. I think this one's going to be he lost, and then I could see an embrace of he and Cena, Cena giving him the ring. I think that, I think it's going to have more of a, okay, this one really is it, and let's all just go out being thankful for, for what we saw. Um, the, the, the other problem I have with Oscar and Charlotte is last. What goes on last at WrestleMania Go through every WrestleMania. What goes on last uh, is two people who can talk everybody in the building. And Asuka hasn't needed to, but Asuka, that's not Asuka's deal. I, I, you know, Asuka, and part of it maybe is, is, is the, the accent and everything. But that, so far, that's not part of Asuka's deal. She shows up, she kicks ass, she leaves. Um, I, I just have a hard time not having two good promo people also in the last. I don't know. I just, it, it, but the last match is in a promo. I know, but I'm, I'm saying by wrestling. So what are you trying I'm to say? By, by, I'm not, you're not making any first sense. First off, you take shots at Little Rock, Arkansas. You're assuming people in Little Rock, Arkansas don't like women's <laughs> wrestling. Now you've got the entire. I, I, we're, we're doing a CSR yeah. party in Little Rock, and we'll see how well we're received. I'll, I'll, I'll make you a deal. How I'm bringing Katie Arquette, and I guarantee she'll be way more over than you are. Give me three to one odds. I'll give you three to one odds. So you got to buy me three drinks in New Orleans, and not on Spirits tab, but on your tab, that Charlotte and Asuka go on last over John Cena. Three to one odds. I'll give you six to one. <laughs> How about ten? They to serve one? alcohol twenty-four hours a day. We, <laughs> I, I, I will, I'll, I'll bet the house with you. you. Whatever you want. Okay. What do you want? You want? I will. I will gladly take your house in Pittsburgh. I need a place to go in the summer. Meanwhile, you're dressing. Meanwhile, you're dressing in pink like you're going to prom in Boca Raton. All right, uh, we got more to come. Katie, Sam Adonis, don't go anywhere. Women, uh, please forgive us. Welcome back. Binging Chair Shot Reality all weekend long. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. And we're excited to see all of you in New Orleans on Bourbon Street. Spirits. Come see Noel Foley, Mr. Anderson, Tommy Dreamer, Justin Labar, Juice Springsteen, Josh Eisenberg. That's me. 
But the night before that, you might have a little NXT hangover because that pay-per-view looks stacked with so much talent. And this time of year, everybody always wonders what NXT talents are going to be caught up after WrestleMania. There's a lot of names that could be floating around. Guys like Andrade Cien Almas, Aleister Black obviously is in the championship match at NXT TakeOver, so I don't see him going. You see Johnny Gargano in a potential match at NXT TakeOver. You have tag teams galore. So who? What teams? What guys? I'm going to give you one single superstar that could deserve a push up to the main roster and one tag team. Let's start with the singles guy, a guy that's not even on the NXT TakeOver card, Cassius Ono. Now, Cassius Ono has a wide following. No, he's not in the best shape of his career, but the guy still delivers in the ring and is a very hard-hitting opponent for anybody in WWE. The elbows are great. His gimmick is not really gimmicky, but he's just a hitter. He's a striker. He doesn't have the credentials that Kevin Owens had in NXT. He has something more similar to what Elias did. Not really finding his footing, but even though Elias has a completely different gimmick and a completely different character, he's been able to use that to succeed on the main roster. I think Cassius Ono could also do that, whether it be on Raw or SmackDown in a very good mid-card feuds. And everybody loves Cassius Ono when he gets into the ring. He has that following and fans will want to see Cassius Ono succeed his second time around in WWE. But speaking of that, let's talk about, well, who should be up on the tag team division? It's tricky because you have Sanity who seems to be kind of floating around obscurity. You know, you had Killian Dane um, in a match with Andrade, or excuse me, with Aleister Black to face Andrade Cien Almas, the winner going to NXT TakeOver, and he lost. Obviously the great right decision. But Sanity has been so good for so long. They've been NXT Tag Team Champions. And with no Wyatt family, with something maybe potentially with the Woken family coming, Sanity could be a great addition to either Raw or SmackDown. I want to see Eric Young, Killian Dane, and Alexander Wolf bringing up with Nikki Cross and having that feud and having that uh, stable really feud with anybody on the Raw or SmackDown roster. If you're not going to do Sanity and you think that there's still more for them to do in NXT, then the logical choice would be the Authors of Pain. Who wouldn't want to see the Authors of Pain working against the guys like The Club, Sheamus and Cesaro, hell, even The New Day or The Usos, whether they go on SmackDown or Raw? It doesn't matter, because the Authors of Pain are young, they're going to succeed, and they really have done everything that they could in NXT. So maybe you see both of them, one on Raw and one on SmackDown, because as you know, you can see some fresh changes and some fresh matchups with two big, successful NXT tag teams making a call up to the main roster. Binge watch Chair Shot Reality all weekend long at Josh Osmer 4 on Twitter. It is getting close. We are on the road to WrestleMania. I can't wait to see everybody at Spirits on Bourbon. Continuing on the binge watch playlist, it is Chair Shot Reality on WrestlingInc.com. Here in the beautiful Point Park University Studios in downtown Pittsburgh. Just a reminder, if you're going to be in New Orleans WrestleMania weekend, it is our annual WrestleMania Day party, April 8th, 1 to 3 p.m. at Spirits on Bourbon. That's right, it is one of the most successful bar rescue bars ever. Great place. We were there back in 2014. We got to hang with John Taffer. Who gets to say that? Uh, we're going back 1 to 3. Tommy Dreamer, Mr. Anderson, the beautiful Noel Foley, they will all be there. It's free to get in. If you want to get VIP, there's only, I think, five left of that. VIP gets you lunch with Noel and all of us. And a special meet and greet, you can go to TicketKingOnline.com, type in WrestleMania pre-party to get those VIP tickets. Katie Arquette, Justin Labar. Katie, let's talk about something. Uh, you know, you, you work in independent professional wrestling. Um, you, know, you, you understand better than most our audience would in terms of what it is you know, to get over and the challenges and, and, and such. And we're seeing something pretty neat right now in WWE. We're seeing Nia Jax. We're seeing Braun Strowman. Big, physically big, uh, 
you know, Nia Jax for the female division, for the women's division, Braun Strowman obviously just for humanity, and they're <laughs> and they're being treated like baby faces, and, and it's working. They're getting over as baby faces, yeah. which that goes against the rule, right? Isn't it supposed to be the big bad circus? <laughs> person is booed? I mean, what, yeah. what do you make of this? Well, they did start off as heels. Right. I mean, they, you know, because they are big and bad and, you know, there's, some, there's people to be feared. So I guess the fans love that. They love seeing these big, dominant men and women and they're like, we want to cheer for them because they can dominate no matter who they're up against. Which is why everyone was so excited for the Nia and Asuka match. Right. Just it's like, oh, Asuka's undefeated and Nia's huge. Who's going to win? <laughs> From a wrestling standpoint, how challenging? I mean, if, if you're if you're, if you're you're now the heel in the ring with them and you're obviously being dwarfed in size, as many are going to be, how challenging is, is that to try to then get the sympathy over for Braun or Nia? Well, it's definitely a challenge. Like you said, there's many obstacles you would have to go through in order to get the crowd on your side or for mm -hmm. them, I guess. Um, it's easier for them because the crowd is so over for them. But if the roles are reversed, it's you got to do what's going to look best. What are the fans going to pop for? What yeah. are they going to react to? What What is it that makes the fans go, oh, crap? <laughs> I think it was key, as you pointed out right off the top. It, it was key that they obviously started off as heels. And then it's almost like it's, the fans have gotten to know them. They've gotten to embrace, uh, you know, and then the characters have gotten to evolve. We've gotten to see Naya uh, not just be a monstrous, you know, woman, but she's got, you know, we've we've seen her, we've seen her cry. We've seen emotion. Right. We've seen comedy out of Braun Strowman. Yes. Um, and I think I think this is going to be a trend that we might see more of as years go on. And I think part of it, or maybe a large part of the reason why is the landscape of pro wrestling these days. There's far more, you know, it used to be this was a big body business, right? Mm -hmm. That, you know, you look at, you know, look at a, ro a locker room in 1987 and the majority of guys were bigger guys. Mm -hmm. um, and so it made the smaller baby, it made the smaller guy be the baby face who's gonna be the, the, the heroic, uh, right. you know, with Dave and Goliath situation. But I think now the average size has gone down across the board in the business that it's almost making these larger than life people when they come along like a Braun Strowman or Nia Jax where it's like, there's something unique and different. So you can almost put the, I don't want to say the outcast label on them, but you can almost identify something special and babyface about them. It's almost like history is repeating itself, but in reverse. Exactly. Because you see way back when all the bigger men and women, well, primarily men, mm -hmm. it's you. they were the heel and the babyface. It's like, what did they have to do to get them mm -hmm. down? Because all the big guy did was strong man slam. Like, sure. it's just whatever. And then now you see everyone's more thinned out and lean, and it's like, they're the heels, and the bigger guys are the faces, so how does the baby face get over with the crowd? What do they have to do challenging other than just dominate by putting them down with one slam? There's been a, been a maddening increase of kick pads and straight edge yes. lifestyle. Yes. <laughs> what, happened, what happened to the, the old tape? <laughs> um, I guess you know. I guess it was foreshadowed in some regard. You, let, let's go back to the 90s with China. I mean, China obviously yeah. was, the, was the biggest of female bodies really we'd seen at the time, and she ended up evolving into one of the great baby faces that people connected with. So I guess it, it shouldn't necessarily be so much of a surprise. Right, and for a female, China was very different. She wasn't just the little petite mm -hmm. blonde tan. She was this big, jacked, burnette, scary woman that hung out with DX. Who then eventually <laughs> they, made, they made into such a sex symbol. She was on the cover of Playboy. Exactly. I mean, it doesn't matter if you're blonde and thin and... What do you got against blondes? Nothing. That's what do you just got the, it's the stereotype. That's the point I'm Go making. Ahead. You, got a, you got a camera and a mic. Cut the promo. Cut the promo on the blondes. It's a stereotype. That's it. That's how you see female wrestlers. Little petite blondes get thrown around. Burnettes do it better, apparently. Yes, they do. All right. Share Shout Reality. Again, make sure you uh, like, share, subscribe, do what you got to do. If you want an audio-only version, make sure you go and subscribe to the audio channels that Wrestling Inc. has on all of their streams. More to come here as we have a special guest to join us. Don't go anywhere.
Chair Shot Reality on Wrestling and Comedy from Point Park University Studios in downtown Pittsburgh. We love having guests on, and we love having guests that have Pittsburgh ties. My guest right now, he is a Pittsburgh native, but of course he's uh, setting, his, setting uh, his home right now in Mexico City. He is one of the top heels, probably the top heel, wearing Donald Trump on the tights and the, every, the whole deal in CMLL. He is Mr. Sam Adonis. Sam, how are you? I am wonderful. I'm happy as can be to be back here in Pittsburgh, enjoying grandma's food. Enjoying a nor'easter, which most of you probably hate right now, but uh, it's been awesome to be home, and it's awesome to uh, be here with you today. When was the last time you saw snow? Whew, I was here actually a year and a half ago. Uh, it was at a local event where Jericho actually came to hang yes. out with us that night. Yes. So, uh, yeah, that was the last time I saw it, but uh, I, was able, I wasn't really able to enjoy it because usually my weekends consist of one day of travel, one day of wrestling, and then another day of travel. Yeah. But uh, this time has been a little bit more time, and now I'm here with you. Sam, you've had a, a hell of a career so far, only 28 years old. I say only because that's still a lot more time to go for you. Uh, let's go to the beginning. You were in FCW at a very young age, uh, the, the former, what was the former developmental um, promotion for WWE, and then left there. What, what was that process? I was actually uh, super lucky because uh, I, I was kind of like the last part of the old regime, if you will, before the Performance Center. I was one of the last guys that was able to be hired with the uh, FCW system and the old coaches, which was uh, Tom Pritchard, Norman Smiley, who's still there. Um, Canyon, or this is before Canyon Seaman. It was uh, Ty Bailey with mm -hmm. my boss. Just a completely different system that's there now. And uh, I was basically given an opportunity based on my age and my size to see what was possible. And being a 20-year-old kid in Florida that had never lived away from parents, uh, you know, I didn't exactly have the best success. Uh, Maturity it, wasn't all there. It yeah. wasn't all there, but uh, it was the best learning experience of my entire life. And after about 10 months, I ended up having a knee injury, and uh, my time there was cut short after an operation. So uh, since then, I, I've made the contacts. I've, I've had a really good uh, luck with the people that have guided my career in yep. the right direction. And uh, I ended up working in Europe under the guidance of William Regal for a company over there. Doesn't get any better than that. Yes, yeah, so uh, the, as far as that goes, that, that was the basic, uh, the, the beginning of the story. And while I was there, I, I really honed my craft and became pretty good. And I debuted in Mexico, basically with a whole bunch of experience and no name value, which meant a lot to that company, CMLL, where I work now. And uh, since then, I've been setting the world on fire south of the border, which has been nothing but fun. Well, and that's what I think is so interesting. One of the things so interesting about you, Sam, is that, you know, you're, you know, as you said, WWE like the size and look. I mean, you're 6'4", uh, and, and you're, you know, I, I, last Saturday I watched you do a 450 splash. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, so that's kind of, I mean, that's, that, you're unique for that, that brand. Well, I've always been extremely agile for my size, but I think one of my major assets has been my love for uh, professional wrestlers, or professional wrestling on, on all corners of the world. Mm -hmm. I've studied Japanese wrestling and Mexican wrestling and independent wrestling, you know, from a young age. So my passion has been just, you know, a, a bit obsessive, if you will. But that has led me to learn different styles and been able to adapt to audiences all over the world. And it's, it's really cool because, uh, you know, I, I pride myself on my ability to come to Pittsburgh and be able to make the Pittsburgh fans happy and go to Mexico City and be able to do it there, or do it in Japan or Germany or France or something like that. So uh, I don't necessarily have a style, but, you know, I think my diversity might be my style. And that's led to the success I've been able to have. If you can articulate it just a little bit. Um, you know, we, we often, we, fans always hear about that, you know, different styles and it's different style there, different style here, you know, fill in the blanks here. So obviously, you know, it's very common in the U.S. So as we watch pro wrestling, you know, things work to the left. They like to work the left body parts, what you sell, everybody gets up and feeds to the left, kind of 
kind of clock, counterclockwise. How is it different than in Mexico? Where's the difference? Kind of? uh, well, Mexico, Mexican wrestling is about 10 per, or, uh, American wrestling is about 10% of what Mexican wrestling is. Okay. They do everything we do, plus a whole lot more. So basically, you just have to elaborate on what you've already learned and just you know, keep as much information as you can inside your brain and, and just learn more and be able to adapt to everybody. But the most important thing, and it's not just Mexico, it's worldwide, it's being able to control an audience. Sure. Um, and this is something, there's a, there's a term used in pro wrestling that I think is just overused and the most, most people have no idea what it means and it's wrestling psychology. Most people have no idea what it means, but Jake Roberts is good at it. That's kind of what wrestling <laughs> psychology right. means to wrestling fans. Right. But it, it's generally human psychology. What is funny? What makes people angry? What pushes their buttons? What makes them cry? Um, and if you're good at entertaining, if you're good at commanding a room, and you're also well-rounded in, in your ability as a wrestler or a performer, generally you're able to control these audiences. And it doesn't matter what country you're in because, you know, if you see somebody fall down the steps, sometimes it's funny in Mexico, sometimes it's funny in England, sometimes it's yeah. funny in the UK. Um, you know, there's, it's really just being able to understand what's going to entertain your room. And, and in my opinion, that's, you know, an asset for me in my experiences that's been invaluable. Talk about your character and controlling that audience because, uh, you know, for those who don't know, and I, again, I encourage you, uh, you can check out Sam on social media at Real Sam Adonis and YouTube and find some photos, find some video clips. Um, they don't like you too much, Donald, <laughs> as, you're, as, you're, as you're supporting Donald Trump wanting to build a wall and have Donald Trump on your tights. Now, obviously, again, wrestling, it's sports entertainment, it's character. I'm not even going to get in. I don't even know. I don't care what your real politics are. But you, but you embrace that, that character, and, man, is it... I, I laugh because I know you every time I watch the clips I see. <laughs> well, it's one of those things, and it goes back to that point of human psychology. Uh, uh, the character isn't necessarily a Donald Trump supporter. It's not a Donald Trump okay. character. I am just such a loudmouth idiot that I will do whatever it takes to push your buttons. Yeah. So chances are, if, if you know, 10 people in this room have a peanut allergy, I'm probably going to come out throwing peanuts at them. <laughs> That's what Sam Adonis is in Mexico as a heel. Um, you know, here in Pittsburgh, I'm a baby face. There's nothing I can do. You know, I can come out and just be as vulgar and ridiculous as I want to be. But when it's your grandma and your family, you know, <laughs> watching and supporting their, their family member, it's really hard to, to you know, control that audience in a, in a way that's going to, you know, be negative. So uh, uh, when I'm down there, I kind of just embrace the fact that I get paid to make people angry. Yeah. You know, and when I was invited to work for this company, which is the oldest wrestling company on earth, um, you know, I figured, what can I do to embrace this role? What can I do to make people more angry than ever? And, you know, the timing was perfect. Donald Trump, Donald Trump had just become president, and, you know, the Mexicans aren't exactly the biggest fans of Donald Trump right now. So just uh, embracing that position and making it work has created a, a genuine heat. Um, you know, the, the actual, the, the, the heat that has been lost in wrestling for the last 25, 30 years, you know, people are legitimately angry. And, and you know, if you were to ever come to Arena Mexico where we wrestle, you know, you would just lose your mind at the, the passion that these people have. And because I've been able to create that, which for, you know, in a lot of senses has been lost, I've been embraced by a lot of the old timers, a lot of the, the mentors yeah. of the Mexican wrestling you know, world, Negro Casas, Blue Panther, Atlantis. These guys love wrestling against me because we're, you're basically you know, traveling back in time. Yeah. You're seeing all this young talent flying through the air doing these incredible, you know, wonderful high-flying moves, 
But when it comes down to the main event, the meat and potatoes is, you know, a good old-fashioned USA versus Mexico with some strong chops and forearms and kicks and, you know, popcorn flying, babies flying, whatever needs to happen. It's, it's absolutely crazy, and, you know, I'm proud to say that I can make it happen. Uh, Sam, you have a brother some people might have heard of. Uh, his name's Corey Graves. Um, what, 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 what's the best compliment he's given you since this character is success uh, in Mexico? It, 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 he's my coach. Yeah. My brother trained me back when uh, we were here in Pittsburgh and uh, we had a ring set up out in the, the plum area. And he taught me, so he's always been very good at not giving me compliments. Okay. Because he's <laughs> no, he he knows my brother. You know, he grew up yeah. with me. He knows how to make it work. And and when you don't get your your chin tickled, you kind of always look for your chin getting tickled. It kind of makes you work harder. So it hasn't. Uh, I haven't had too many direct compliments, but uh, he said some pretty nice things about me on one of the Edge and Christian podcasts. Nice. You know about my my overall work as a performer and just you know hearing that just from a third party perspective, it means a lot more than he thinks. So um, it's cool. It's great having him in such a ridiculous role. Uh, it's still funny to me thinking me, my dad, and him watched Raw every Monday night. You know, in my basement for twenty years, and then now I can see him. You know. Whenever I want to, call in the action. Now, I got to ask because, uh, you know, obviously, you know, if you want to, hopefully one day you might find yourself back in the States working with WWE. Um, and your brother, I thought I've openly said this all the time, he, he's easily the most entertaining on air, uh, you know, commentator that they have right now. Um, and, but I, I love the fact there's not consistency. Like, you know, he's the heel commentator, but yet he won't support the heel and Elias, another Pittsburgh guy. Uh, do you think that he would go out of his way to not be a supporter of you on commentary? Chances are it would be one of two. He would either you know, do what he can to make sure he doesn't support me or he would be my biggest supporter. And I don't know. That's not for us to decide. Yeah, you know, chances are it goes down the line. But, you it, know, it, makes, I, it makes me think about like when Jerry Lawler was on commentary all those years. Yeah. And the relationship he had with Brian Christopher, they never would yeah. acknowledge, but well, they'd always just kind of... I always feel like the best heels, the best, uh, the best bad guys in wrestling don't think they're bad guys. They yeah. don't know they're bad guys. You know, they, they have their, uh, their altered sense of reality, you know, and they can go out there and defend the most despicable acts and then they can hate the, the nicest guy on the show. So, you know, I, th- <laughs> I think, you know, uh, I love hearing it when other people makes the, the parallels between him and Bobby Heenan or Jerry mm-hmm. Lawler. And to me, you know, I'm proud of him for that. I love hearing people say that. But at the same time, there is a lot of parallels, not in the character, not in the words, not yeah. in how they present themselves, but just the, the, the actual, uh, the, the, what would be the word, the, the essence of what a heel commentator is. So, uh, I mean, if people are saying your name up there with those same yeah. legends of our industry, you know, I, I like to think he's doing something pretty well. Absolutely. Tell the truth. Were you smartened up, or did you get worked like the rest of us with the whole Booker T stuff? Uh, <laughs> I, I knew about it. Okay. So, so he uh, did it. It's, it's great, I, and I was happy that when I found out, you know, I was like, "This is great. It's so hard to get truly worked anymore." This is well, great that we, funny everybody is, got riled up about. It. I got riled up about. It. I was getting texts from everybody I know in wrestling that that wanted to know, and wrestlers are afraid to admit that they got worked. So they they sent me texts. Hey, what's going on? Is this what's going on here? And I said, I don't know. I have no idea. Good. So uh, I was happy to be worked. Uh, you know, and, and I, I don't understand fans that get mad when they get worked. It's like that's what the point is. You're supposed to go for the ride. Exactly. Um, something big is happening. Uh, we, we talked about earlier there on on this uh, weekend's uh, conversations is Daniel Bryan's the top story right now. He's getting just got medically cleared after two years of being medically disqualified. Um, you faced injuries before. Your brother is medically disqualified, which is how he got into the role of. Uh, or transitioned into the role. What's your reaction to to this, the whole Brian situation? Jeff? I could not be happier for Daniel Bryan. Um, I think that's awesome. 
Uh, I, for one, know the, the journey and the struggle. You know, a guy like that, before he's ever had his first taste of fame and real money in wrestling, he was just like the rest of us, you know, fighting week to week in the small little armories and independence. So, you know, sometimes that finish line's a little bit greater for a guy like that. Mm -hmm. And then to have it ripped away from you has to crush your heart. So uh, the fact that this is happening now, you know, I couldn't be happier for the guy because I know the work that he's put into it. Um, I think it, it, the timing's right for it. The people want it. The fans want it. It could be great for WWE. It could be part of the upswing. You know, um, and I just hope it, it's the right decision on his part and the doctor's part. Um, I don't care what anybody says. The WWE's doctors are the best in the world, period. Um, I've had nothing but great success with them, or great, great luck with them, I should say. Uh, we went to the Andrews Health Clinic in uh, Birmingham, Alabama. Uh, they were just top-notch all the time. The, the physical therapy and the recuperation was just always 100%. And if they're going to sit back and support the decision and say that it's right, I have 100% confidence that it is the right decision. And me, selfishly, you know, there's something inside me saying, okay, maybe, hopefully one day that means my big brother gets to get back in the ring. Yeah. Because, you know, that we've only been able to wrestle one match in my life, you know, and, and now that we're this far ahead in our careers, I would love, you know, WrestleMania 38 live from Heinz Field, you know, <laughs> Sam Adonis against Corey Graves. Who's to say? But, uh you know, the, the, the baby brother in me really, really is excited about it. And, you know, hopefully, I don't know if he wants to, but if it meant that it, it, it's it's something that's possible for him, that it make him happy, I truly trust the WWE medical, you know, staff and everything like that. I think they'll make the right decisions, not only for my brother, but definitely for all the WWE superstars down the line. Sam Adonis, a very interesting guy in character. Coming up next video, we're going to do 10 questions with Sam. We're going to get a little bit deeper into... Uh into the crazy mind that is Sam Adonis. Don't it's crazy, away. it's pretty crazy. <laughs>
anywhere. Oh gosh, this is absurd. I I would probably say names most people haven't ever heard. Um, I'll rattle off. Do it. They'll they'll, they'll find them. They'll Google it. Um, uh, Anything from Terry Rudge. Terry Rudge against Franz Van Boyten from um, Hamburg, Germany in 1983. Yeah, you got me there. That sounds ridiculous, but it's good. If you if you know either of them, please watch. It's awesome. Other than that, I could say maybe. I remember Bam Bam Bigelow against Shane Douglas from uh, November to remember 97 because it was the only time I ever saw my mom freak out and, like, you know, go crazy for a wrestling match. So that, that sticks out. Stone Cold or The Rock? Uh, oof. Stone Cold. Stone Cold. And uh, <laughs> this goes into your character, and you said you're good at impressions. So if Donald Trump was to endorse you as his favorite professional wrestler, how would that sound? Oh, man. I... That's, your camera's right there. I don't think I have a Donald Trump oh, come impression. On. You impression. can't tell me impressions are, are a secret talent and not pull me a Trump. Everybody can do a Trump. I right have now. Elmo and Kermit the Frog. If Elmo declares that you're the favorite. El- El- Elmo loves Sam Adonis. Elmo loves number one heel Mexico. Sam Adonis, number one. What about Kermit? Kermit the Frog loves Sam Adonis. I don't know about I don't know about Miss Piggy, but Sam Adonis is number one in Mexico, number one here in Pittsburgh, and hopefully one day number one in WWE. I can close my eyes, and I thought Kermit and Elmo were right next to me. It is what Chair Shot Rally is made, made of. Sam, thank you very much. Again, check him out at Real Sam Adonis on social media. Google him. Look it up. He's going places. He's already going places, but he's going to even more places. I'm just happy to be here in Pittsburgh with you. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com.